0: Roy Spence's bio begins with the following. He signs every letter and ends every speech with the words, ride at dawn. That's not just a catchy mantra. It's his call to embrace Emerson's challenge. Do not go where the path may lead, but go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Roy's path has led to both business success and success in other areas as well. In 1971, he was one of four University of Texas graduates who didn't know you couldn't open a national ad agency in Austin, Texas, then a funky little college town known primarily for hippies and armadillos. GSDNM is now a global marketing, communications, and advertising powerhouse. His work has been recognized with accolades including the American Advertising Federation's Hall of Fame, distinguished alumnus of the University of Texas at Austin. Austin Advertising Federation's Lifetime Achievement Award, Ad Man of the Century by Texas Monthly Magazine, University of Texas Macomb School of Business Hall of Fame, and just December 2022, Roy was named the Austinite of the Year by the Austin Chamber of Commerce. Spence is also the founder of the Make It Movement, which started in the fall of 2021 in and around Austin and is rapidly scaling across America. This nonprofit is on a mission to welcome high school students to a whole new world of high-skill and high-income careers they don't even know about. Note where the Make It movement starts, high school. One of the major differences between Texas and other areas in America is the support of and focus on the middle class. We need more than startups, more than venture capitalists, more than our creatives. We need a strong middle class to make and buy the products our new companies create. And that's where we start today's conversation.
1: Roy, welcome to the Austin Next Podcast. Well, it's great for you all to be here, and welcome to uh, our building uh, called Idea City. And uh, there's a story behind that. So welcome to Austin, and let's make 2023 uh, the year of purpose. That's kind of my goal. And I think that's a great goal for 2023, and we subscribe to that.
0: I want to talk about gsd You guys have a long history here. Are you saying I'm old? No, I'm saying you have a long history. I'm sorry. You've done quite a bit. You've accomplished quite a lot. Don't mess with Texas through to the year of purpose. Looking back over the time, from the time you started the company to now, what's your favorite story about the company?
1: Well, that's a a hard one because about half our stories aren't true, but they're really still good. uh, And the half are true. But I think the most powerful and emotional story is the fact that 51 years ago, I met my partners at the University of Texas. I didn't go to class. It's boring. But we, again, started a little company called Media 70. That was 1970s. And Marshall McLuhan was the big guru of media. And Mike, you know that, Jason. You're too young. But uh, I'm not saying you're old, Mike. Anyway, and so we formed this little group that did these multimedia shows at UT. And truly i was moving from a little town called brownwood texas to here and we were living in ozzy and harriet days meaning everything was good and black and white and tv shows and when i got to ut the vietnam war hit so we met the revolution and so we were young kids and we did these media shows and thousands of students would come and pay us 50 cents to get in or a brownie anyway we can talk about that. That's America. Uh, what kind uh, of brownie would that have been? I, I don't know. I've, I can't remember. <laughs> Maybe that's the reason. Anyway, but next story you ask is that my partner, Steve Gersuch, who passed away last year, said, let's start the advertising agency. And, you, know, you know the story. I said, great, what is it? What is advertising? I had no idea. And so I had a brand-new tie-dye T-shirt. My ponytail was looking awesome, and I went to the bank. And sat down, and the loan officer wasn't there, but I sat down anyway. I was 19, and a guy, thank, he's been on the shoulder and say, "Sorry, young man, but do you have an appointment?" And I said, "No, but you're not like busy." That didn't go over well trying to get a loan for my business. So, he sat down. and He said, "What's your business plan?" And I said, "I beg your pardon?" He said, "What's your business plan?" I'm 19. I went, "Well, uh, we want to like, uh, we want to like stay together." We want to stay in Austin. We want to make a difference and get rich. It's as good a plan as any. I don't think a banker went for it. He loaned us the money, and we paid it back a couple of weeks ago. But, these, <laughs> you know, these things take time, y'all. Here, my favorite story is when I said our business plan was to stay together, stay in Austin, make a difference. Fifty years later, my partner, Steve, passed away, but we all four stayed together. 50 years and we stayed in Austin for 50 years and everyone wants to be a partner they just don't want to deal with the ship Okay, the partnership Mm -hmm. this is the problem with America we need to deal with the ship of state not the ships. so we know something about how you stay together and when I tell the story around America I give credit to Austin too because Austin community was behind us, not just behind me or Steve or Judy or Tim. They, they rallied behind us. So my favorite story is the fact that we lived up to our business plan. We stayed together for 50 years and stayed in Austin, Texas.
0: Tells a lot about the impact of Austin on you guys as well. And we've always talked about the superpowers of Austin and the Central Texas. And we've looked at one of them being always the power of and, and I think this is a great way of describing that power of and because it's you and your three partners, without which, without that and between the four of you, this never would have happened.
1: That's exactly right. You know, and we we call this when we're at our best the land of and, not the land of of or the tyranny of. Is Collins Jim's Collins talked about the tyranny of or? You have to do this or that. Or you can have the genius of the end. You can do this and that. And we've always believed we could do this and that. So that's a great way to bring it up, Mike. It is.
0: We've seen so much change in Austin. We have a new mayor as of last week. We're going into a very short period of time when we hope we can get done. We hope the purpose works. What's happening? What's What are you looking at and what do you want to see in the next couple of years
1: here? Well, first of all, I think that you know, I don't have the corner on the smarts, and I think that's important for everyone to say they don't. No one has the corner on the smarts, so listening is a good thing. I think right now we're at that moment in time where, Austin, you can take a deep breath, and when you take a deep breath, you don't have to stop doing what you're doing. You just kind of take a deep breath and say, okay, was Jim Collins right when he wrote Good to Great and mainly built to last that the visionary companies, the ones that are built to last, always have a purpose beyond making money and always practice the genius of the end, meaning preserve the core and stimulate progress? I think Austin is at this precise, wonderful moment in time, and I think Kirk Watson, the mayor, can guide us here. We need to take a deep breath and make sure we're preserving the core of Austin. And when I say core, I mean values and purpose. And we have been talking about maybe Austin is the first city in America that actually does a purpose project. We do it with companies around the world. We help companies discover their purpose. And purpose is what Aristotle said. Plato is arrogant, but Aristotle's a good friend. And he, he basically says it this way where your talents and the needs of the world intersect. Therein lies your purpose. And if Austin can maybe do the first ever where we go out and we ask people of Austin, what is our purpose? And what are our core values? Just like we do with companies around the world. Like, for example, once we do that, then it wouldn't be driven by politics. It would be driven by purpose. And I've talked to the mayor about it. I've talked to a lot of business people We'd be the first city to declare, here's our purpose and here are our core values. Now, I will say one of the core values, no matter what the people say, is we don't honk in Austin. Thank you. And you know, I'm laughing, but I'm not. You don't honk in Austin unless you're trying to save a life or save a person. You don't just. And so one of our core values would be like at the airport when you land, hi, welcome to Austin. We don't honk in Austin. (laughs) <laughs> but core values i mean they're on the floor you see out there gsdnm was a pioneer we got lucky but we were a pioneer in the power of purpose-based branding so i would say we need to take a deep breath and also we know how to stimulate progress we need to now learn how to preserve the core so that we have both the core and the progress i think that's our biggest challenge
0: and i think that the conversation around purpose can be the most interesting conversation here in years and years if we can get away from the politics. Because I'm going to venture a guess, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, there are certain core values we all share. There are. And by making those explicit, I think that we can move a lot farther a lot faster.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's really a point. Um, when we do our purpose work, we do... Uh, I did a... I'll give you a book about... 15 years ago, called The Amazing Faith of Texas, Faith of Texas. And I went out with my partners in Winnebago, and I wanted to find out what united us as a state. And if you ask people about their religion, you'll get nothing united. So the second day, Mike Blair, my Don't Mess With Texas partner, said, why don't we ask people what do they believe in, not what is your religion? And at the end of the book, you'll see We shared, no matter where you were from or what your religion, the values of forgiveness, humility, charity, and compassion, and it's in the book. We also found out that every religion in the world, I have a symbol on my neck right here of every religion in the world, has a version of the golden rule. So part of what you say when we do the purpose work, we go to higher ground. And one thing, when the Make It movement, you know what I'm doing there, I have finally figured out the one thing Americans all agree on and Texans all agree on. And by the way, everyone else asked me, you know, where do you get your ideas from? And I used to say vodka, but uh, that's not true. Actually, I found that I'm humble about it because I don't have the answers. If you try to figure out the real piercing cause of a problem, not the kind of, the piercing, then the idea God will, some moment in time, give you the idea. And I did this with the Make It Movement. The one thing we all agree on, every parent wants their kid to be successful. I don't care if you're right, left. So the Make It Movement's core value and core purpose is to ensure that every young person, while they're in high school, while they're in middle school, has a chance to discover their own purpose and we're getting huge movement. So back to your point, Austin would be interesting to go out and ask the people of Austin, no matter where you came from or what you do, what are our core values? And I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee you we'll find them.
2: One of the key things that we are looking at and kind of documenting, influencing, is this transformation of Austin. And as, as we were talking about kind of before we hit record, that transformation and change seems to be one of the core values or at least core things that's going on in Austin and you know we're transforming, I think, into a real big innovation powerhouse, right? And one of the things that I think that is driving that has been our success in the ability of Austin to punch above its weight. When you look at the actual data, whether it's funding, enterprise value, growth, et cetera, versus the perception. And the importance of narratives and storytelling to drive that. I think when you think of um, companies like g s d and and driving those narratives, how would you describe the innovation narrative of austin
1: that's Jason, that's a great question and uh, i'll I'll go back and say again, I don't have the corner on the smarts on this, but I have studied this, and uh, about ten years fifteen years ago, I decided to walk across America. I don't know if you all know that and uh I went, I've gone through nine, 12 states so far. That's a whole other thing. I, I found that walking is a good journey to discover your own purpose because we're also destination-driven. Got to get to work, got to go to church. And I used to run four miles. and Finally, I said, no, I'm going to start walking. And I told my preacher one day, Gerald Mann, rest his soul, that if you don't know where you're going, you'll never be lost. <laughs> and he went... Okay, Roy, well, Austin, never That's a good twist. Be, he, yeah. said, he said, but you'll never be found. But 15 years ago, I'm walking across America through New England, and I did a book on it. I met all these people, and they'd say, Austin, why is that so magical? And back then, Lance Armstrong and Willie, and there was this branding thought of Austin of I don't know who you are. And then they knew Tim McClure, my partner of 50 years, wrote Don't Mess With Texas. And they would go, they all knew what it said, but they didn't know it was an anti-litter campaign. They just said, don't you mess with Texas. Okay, yes, sir. Anyway, back to your innovation trail. I think one thing that Austin, and we can't lose this, Mayor Lee Cook years ago came to me and he said, there's a group from Stanford coming to Austin. This was 20 years ago. I went there and uh, Stanford University was doing this, they had just done this massive research project 20 years ago, on what our cities going to become. Philadelphia, what will you become? Boston, and they picked Austin, and this was 10 years. They said in 2020 or 2010, whatever they said, Austin will become the city of ideas. Now think about this. This is 20 years ago, and I sat there and I couldn't breathe. Like we were going to name our building Idea City. And so part of the journey, I think, is it's innovation is overused. I think Austin has got to continue to be a city of ideas. And ideas are important, especially when you listen to young people's ideas. Instead of shutting them off, listen. So I think we will continue the journey of being punching above our weight, if you will, if we will continue to be not just a city of innovation, whatever that means, but a city of new ideas. I think new ideas are more important.
2: Well, and it's interesting because we've many times used the word innovation instead of startup, but a lot of times that those two have been used to synonymously. And I try not to, right? Because it's always startup and then unicorn and, and hugely important. I do investing. And so it's something I'm passionate about and part of, but innovation takes many different forms. An example being on one of our episodes, we interviewed Brett Hurt, and there was a great uh, part of that episode where we talked about the fact that data.world was a B Corp and is the fact that Austin becoming a corporate governance, a hub of innovation, right? Not the more standard hub, but how do we think about how you run companies, right? It could happen at large companies. We can have, uh, we think about how we bring artists together with other things and the like. So innovation is about, to your point, it's about how do we not just have ideas, but then implement those ideas. I think that's the connection point. When you had that meeting, you know, 10 years ago with the people at Stanford, what is your thought about why that perception is happening that Austin is this magical place?
1: I think one of the reasons, again, is that when I came to Austin, we were both teenagers. Austin was too. I was too. And if you look at where I live now, we look over the skyline I've taken a picture for the last 25 years, you could see the tower, university tower in the Capitol and maybe one building. And I think sort of we, I got lucky and my partners got lucky because we grew up together with Austin. And I think one of the things that we got to keep thinking about is as we stimulate progress, we got to preserve the core and We've talked about that. I think we need a purpose project. But I also think we've got to retain the idea that no one's too good and everybody's good enough. You've seen it in a lot of cities. Once they get into that upper, there's a class. I'm part of this class. You're part of that. I want no class. I don't mean that in a bad way. I want everyone to walk up to each other and go, and that's the make it movement, about respect the dignity of all work. No one's too good. Everybody's good enough. And I think that As we're looking at innovation, what we also have to, and I'm going to see my friends at Gallup next week, we've got to also understand the movement with young people about working from home. Before the pandemic, it was called the gig economy, and we could do it because we had cell service or whatever. Little did we know that during the pandemic, it wouldn't be just that. It would be you were forced to work from home. So I do a lot of work with the Institute of Architects, AIA, and if I'd have had any talent in that, that's what I would have become. But I try to think I'm a mental architect more than that. But one of the things we're finding, and this is something I just did too a couple of years ago, young people want two things in their new homes. They do want a home office. They want two of them. And you know what else they want? They want a front porch. Tracy Lawrence, country singer, has a great song, If the World Had a Front Porch Like We Had Back When. We'd have our problems, but we'd still be friends. And so in 2019, I got the Texas Home Builders to build me a front porch. This is pre-pandemic. McConaughey comes on stage at South by Southwest, and I didn't know it, and he shows a dart. I have a video I'll give it. And he said, I want you to, wherever, wherever that dart hits, I want you to take that front porch. I went, what's the, And it hit Wadford City, North Dakota. We drove the front porch 1,700 miles. And we met with 600 people in the Rough Rider Center in North Dakota. And I, yeah, I have the video, and my daughter was helping me. And for four hours, I said, we're going to talk about purpose, not politics. And for four hours, The people of Watford City, North Dakota, and our team talked about purpose. Purpose of life, the purpose of your community. So part of this thing, to wrap around your question, Jason, is that I think the Convention Center, by the way, has restored in between Moonshine and the Fairmont Hotel, a home that was built in 1875. And they've sort of lent that home to me because they restored its front porch. We want to have America's new front porch, and we want to have every city in America have a front porch. Because young people, they don't want to necessarily spend time with you, but they want to wave at you. They want to find out what's going on in their neighborhood. So part of innovation, T.S. Eliot said it the best, sometimes you have to go back to where you started and know it again for the first time. So innovation is not just moving forward innovation is restoring core values that somehow we lost sorry for the length but that's what i believe
0: no worry about the length though it's interesting jason and i were at an event 3 months ago and crystal conti was a speaker and they talked about
1: longhorn football being the front porch of austin
0: and story after story
1: about how it was exactly that so i think back to the innovation and we go back to we got us also really study this next generation and their hopes and dreams and fears and what they believe innovation is too. So that's gonna be part of your job.
2: <laughs> Michael talked about, you know, we've we've identified a few of the superpowers, right? And Getting back to where the narrative is standing. One of the other superpowers that we have addressed is we've talked about, we are cool. And we think about the large events. You talk about UT football. We talk about South by, been here for a long time. We talk about ACL, now F1. And it's been amazing just from reading about, like, the economic impact alone. And, like, we have annually two Super Bowls here, which is just insane. That narrative permeates the entire national, now international. How much does that both created and continue to create the magic of the Austin narrative?
1: Yeah, it's a great question because, again, it's sort of like sometimes the greatest innovation is occurs when you just have – an open door. I don't think Austin went out to do all of this. I know the folks who built Austin City Limits Festival, and amazing, and I was involved. I know the folks who started South by Southwest. Those things were started sort of to just create an aura of music and ideas, not to become cool. Just They were just, hey, these young kids had an idea.
2: Being cool is the wonderful byproduct.
1: That's what Aristotle would say. Winning is a byproduct of doing the right thing. And being cool, I think, is a byproduct of not trying to be cool, but just doing something interesting. But you look at ACL, Austin City Limits, by the way, is the longest-running TV show in America. And then you look at South by Southwest, and they wanted to create sort of the intellectual Austin City Limits. So, and then F1 came. Be, it, I can't say I know exactly how it happened because somebody approached this man who had a few dollars and said, Do you know the largest sport in America in the world? Yeah, soccer. Uh uh-uh. uh, I had no idea. Racing, uh, F1 racing. I said, What? It's the largest sport in the world. And this fella said, Okay, we'll put it in Austin. <laughs> We had no idea it was the largest sport in the world. But I think, back to your point, I don't want Austin to be cool. I want Austin to be weird. I want Austin to be Austin. And I think this is the challenge that we have to tell literally when people come in from out of town, like we talked about before, come here and we'll change you. You don't come here to change us.
2: And I think it's so important because, you know, one of the things that we hammer a lot and we get when people are looking at Austin, it's always like, well, it's the, it's the next Silicon Valley. I hate that, right? We we even actually have in our, uh, the intro to the podcast is we're not the next Silicon Valley. We're the first Austin, right? And I understand the history of this, and I know why, but I've never liked the Silicon Hills moniker, and I understand it. We're one of the few places unlike say Silicon Alley and Silicon Beach and et cetera, where we actually have semiconductors. So there actually is a historical reference to it. But you know, I was like, well, just call it Chip City or just call it something else from that perspective. But then the question is, we're trying to preserve the core. Like, so how are you seeing the narrative changing as we're kind of making this transition from an upstart thriving to becoming a real powerhouse?
1: I don't think we want to be a powerhouse. I think we always want to be a startup. And maybe the byproduct is a powerhouse, not the fact that we are one. And we have brand names here now and all of that. And I welcome them all. But I think at some point.
2: So it's always a journey.
1: It's always a journey, not a destination. And I think a long time ago before, not Michael, but you were born, they tried to Pegasus is the next Silicon Valley. And I was, you'll see it on the, I went on the record and say, I learned this from my mom. The worst attribute you can have is envy. No, I'm serious. Because if you envy someone or envy some company, the best you'll ever be is a worse them, because they're already them. So let's be a better us. Now, when I say that, during the pandemic, the chamber, called me and said, you know, we really do want folks to wear masks. It's going to hurt if we don't. We're going to hurt small business and all the things that we knew about. And and I realized before I did the campaign, there was an us in Austin. And I wasn't even drinking. I called my art director at midnight, as I always do, and I said, Marty, i got to have a logo. Let's be a city of us. Because there's an us in Austin. I think part of The next mayor's challenge and the next leader's challenge, quit trying to be a you in Austin. (laughs) And I told my friend the idea that in Austin, we want to be have the freedom to be me and the responsibility to be us. In Austin, have the freedom to be me, but also have the responsibility to be us because there's an us in Austin. I think if that is our big, hairy, audacious goal for the next 10 years, let's be a city of us, everything else comes.
0: And that's a great trans- transition back to your conversation about the Make It movement. And we did a number of episodes about a year ago on talent. And we started with the executives and the middle managers, and we got down to college, and we had a great time talking with the folks at ACC about their, their programs, And It's amazing. And then September of last year, I'm at the Y-Texas conference and there's this organization sitting there with their booth and I'm like staring at it going, okay, you're starting in high school? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, how brilliant. Because one of the things that I've seen that makes Austin different and makes Texas different is there's a value of the middle class here that I don't see in a lot of other places. And to drive that valuation down to the high school level, it was just warms my heart. So tell me how you started this in the middle of the pandemic with everything going crazy and sideways and all this other stuff. How did this happen?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. But I'm gonna I tell you another quick story growing up. My mom was a school teacher, she taught civics. My older sister, Susan, was born in the late 40s with spinal bifida and for those who don't know what that is back then still is probably the worst birth defect because all the nerves that are supposed to go in your legs they ball up in an open wound on your back it's called spinal bifida and in the 40s and 50s you lived to be four months four years and my sister lived to be 49 because of my mom and my sister or other sister passed away Mary Gordon last year but we'd take her to the bathroom by pushing her stomach we didn't know it was gross <laughs> we'd rub her legs every night so she didn't have beds or I'd push her to school every day and couldn't even see over the wheelchair and all my friends would come with me and uh, what I learned when she passed away I was in her bed uh, I learned all those years I thought I'd been pushing her she'd been pushing me and Seventh grade, I turned in the paper, and I tell this all over the country, and they laughed. You all remember cursive? Everybody laughed. I said, I turned in a blue book on Emerson. He's my favorite. And I got it back, still have it somewhere. And I had eight misspelled words, and there was a big C minus. C's weren't like celebrated in my little kitchen with my mom and my sister, but mom didn't say anything. I went, wow, because I also take quarterback and went, off. Oh, And next year, I'm studying Emerson again, and I said to my mom, I can't do it. She said, do the best you can. I turned it in, got it back, and I didn't have eight misspelled words. I had 11. I still have it. And at the top of the paper, it was all red, at the top of the paper, there was a tiny A minus. This is 60-some-odd years ago. And I looked at my mom, and I said, I don't get it. And she said, you can't spell. But I talked to your teacher, Mrs. Levesey. She thinks you can write. 14 years old, my mother cut the grand bargain with me, and she said, I don't want you to spend another second of your life trying to be average at what you're bad at. I want you to spend the rest of your life becoming great at what you're good at. And part of the Make It movement is anchored in that moment in time, that our teachers, our school counselors, they're awesome. And we've got to create a culture in Texas, where we find young people's talents and we challenge them to become great at what they're already good at. And by the way, Michael, we're going into middle schools now because ACC has pushed me to say, look, these young people are having to declare when they're 13, what are they going to do in high school? So we walk in with the makeup Movement. And I don't know if you've been to our website, but you take the little quiz. Want to work inside or outside? all that. So the concept is, if if America's young as hell, we're 250, we're young. The rest of the nations of the world are laughing at us like, you think you've been around? So if we go back to the America was born different, not perfect. We were born with the idea, it didn't matter where you came from or what your daddy's last name was. If you can dream it, you can build it. So the Make It movement is about Letting young people discover what they could become great at while they're 13 and 14. And let them start while they're in high school learning to become great, whether it's a lawyer or whether it's a welder. Respect the dignity of all work. That's what I'm doing. I don't know if I'll be successful. I'm not going to quit trying.
0: Well, that's the reason why you will be successful. Where do you go from here? You're driving it down to younger kids. And and yeah, I remember at 14 years of age, taking a guidance class and taking this test where I had to push pins through and answers to certain questions. And you came back with some evaluation of what your work was supposed to be. Needless to say, it wasn't what I was planning on doing and it wasn't anywhere close to what I am doing.
1: So that was useless. What we're doing, and we've never, this has never been done before, this is unprecedented. We've put together an alliance of... Workforce solution, CEOs all over Texas, they're all in. There's 27. I've never The Lone Star chapter of the school counselors, the CTE instructors, working with teachers, we believe it's not a coalition. That sounds political. It's an alliance, the Texas Alliance, the Make It in Texas, the Make It in Texas Alliance. And employers are coming in, the Y-Texas All Group, the uh, Texas Association of Business, This we've put together an unprecedented alliance. Why? Because every one of those leaders have kids, and they want their kids to be successful. And we sit down at a table and say, okay, instead of taking your little quiz, if you say, after the Make It movement comes into your middle school, I think I might want to be a nurse, well, all of a sudden the, cool, the alliance of Texas Community Colleges, Technical College. We're putting together a fulfillment center with this never before. When I do the Air Force, aim high. I go home. They do the fulfillment. There is not a state, local, or national fulfillment center for young people while they're in high school and middle school. If they say, I want to think about being a welder or a lawyer, we're building the first ever fulfillment center. And it's Let me tell you, the alliance that we're putting together is unbelievable because they all understand we can attract all the industry we want. You know the average salary of a manufacturer here in Central Texas? Average salary?
2: Higher than most people know.
1: You know, it's 90,000, 70,000, I mean, and it's not manufacturing the old way. And so we gotta let young people uh, understand, just like welding. And, and by the way, I'm moving the dialogue from higher ed to higher income simply to learn more, earn more. You learn more as a lawyer, you earn more. You learn more as a welder, you earn more. And young people are going, what? If you love to do something, you want to learn more. If you suck at spelling, I don't give a sh- dad gum. I don't give a dad gum. Thank you. Let's learn. Let's, why don't you become average at spelling?
2: And if you're good at something, you earn more.
1: Right. And if by the way, if you also love what you do, you want to earn more. So that's the Make It Movement, having young people discover their purpose while they're in school.
2: This has been a lot of fun. We always like to finish our episodes with the same question. What's next, Austin?
1: Well, basically, if you look on the values of my floor out there, we have freedom and responsibility. By the way, I want Austin to build the Statue of Responsibility. We have the Statue of Liberty. I would like Austin to be the city that builds the Statue of Responsibility. Another value we have is community ethics and all that, but one of the most controversial values on my floor is called restlessness, and the definition of restlessness is next. What's next? We need to be in the next business in Austin. And sometime the next business is also TSL. You gotta go rediscover. Next, we gotta rediscover what made us. So I think what's Austin's next, if I was gonna be, and I'm who would wanna be mayor? You have to listen to people. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I love y'all out there. It's a hard mayor's, by the way, the hardest job in America. If you're good at it, you listen. You listen. And by the way, your constituents are opinion rich. I think Austin should do a Citywide Purpose Project, which we all, like for example, with Lowe's, we did Purpose. Our purpose is to help people love where you live. Southwest is going through problems, but we'll get through with it. Our purpose was to give people the freedom to fly. Uh, You look at purpose. It's the great liberator. I think if we put, and by the way, you can't dictate what purpose is. You ask the people what it is, and then you figure it out, and then you ask the core values. I would love next to be purpose and values of Austin. And at some point, again, when you land and you come to the airport, you see our values. This is what we stand for. And this is our purpose. And if you don't agree with them, don't stay. As Matthew McConaughey always says, we want you to come to Austin, we want you to listen to live music, we want you to go to bars and restaurants, we want you to spend a lot of money, and then we want you to leave. <laughs> uh, Matthew's my bro. But net, net, I think next is purpose and values. I love it.
2: Roy Spence, gsdnm and the Make It Movement, thank you so much for joining.
1: Well, thank you all. Thank you. I love visiting with y'all and Godspeed. And let's make 2023 the year of purpose.
2: So, what's next, Austin? We're glad you've joined us on this journey. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast catcher, leave us a review, and let your colleagues know about us. This will help us grow the podcast and continue bringing you unique interviews and insights. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.